You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel of Crook County as he teaches through the book of Joshua. If you have your Bibles with you, let's join Pastor Ryan now. Continuing to go through the book of Joshua, we've uh, looked at the first six chapters. Tonight we're going to look at chapter 7. And we're in that section where they're, they're beginning to battle against these different cities and they're beginning to take the land and, and to take conquest of, of the land that God had promised them 400 years previous. And they've had one victory in Jericho. The story is familiar to us. We looked at it last week as they marched around the city and the walls fell down and, and they took the city. And now God calls them to go and, and to war against Ai. And there's a couple things going on here in chapter 7 that we're going to look at. The first thing is the sin of Achan, and I'm sure you're familiar with this at least uh, to some degree. And, and then the sin of Joshua and the leaders. And the sin of Achan starts in verse 1. It says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed or devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. And so Achan took of the devoted things that were supposed to be given to the Lord. You remember in, in chapter 6 we talked about that when, when they took over Jericho, all of the treasure, all of the resources, all of the money was to go to the Lord. It was kind of the first fruits, as this was the first city that they took over, this was the first fruits that was to be given to the Lord. And Achan, as we're going to see as we skip to verse 10, Achan, because of his covetousness, because of his greed, because of his disobedient heart, he took of what the Lord said should be given to him. And it says in verse 10, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lust thus? Why do you lie thus on your face? And we'll see the context of that as we go back and look at verses two through nine with the sin of Joshua. But basically, Joshua was trying to figure out what the problem was and why God wasn't blessing them. And it was because there was sin in the camp, because there was sin in their nation. In verse 11, it says, Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the devoted things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. It's a great way to put it, right? They put it among their own stuff. And how often do we take of things that, that maybe were devoted to God? How, how many times do people say, you know what, I'm going to give that to the Lord. God, if you'll just bless me with this house, then I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to devote that to you. I'm going to use it for you. And then it never really comes to pass. Or, Lord, if you'll bless me with this job and this promotion, and, and when I start making that kind of money, then I'm going to give this amount to you. And then God blesses us, and God brings that into our life. And then we never really do what we said we were going to do. We kind of add it to our own stuff. And maybe it's not even things like that. Maybe it's just the fact that God is expecting us to give of our first fruits and we're, because of our greed, because of our covetousness, because of our disobedience, we're not doing that. And, and there's things that, that God says, man, I want you to set that aside. I want you to set 
time aside. I want you to set money aside. I want you to set your gifts aside and sanctify them, devote them to me and use them for me. And often we look at these stories in the Old Testament, like with Achan, and we think, man, what an idiot. You know, how could he have done that? Uh, I would never do that. You know, God said to give it to him. And, and how, how in the world could he hide it and steal it and put it under his tent? You know, what a jerk. And yet, if we look at our own life, we see similarities in our own life. And it's a good thing that God doesn't deal with us the way he dealt with them. I, th- I often think of that in the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. It's the same principle. They, they said, you know what, we're going to give this to the Lord. And then they didn't give it to the Lord and God judged them for that. And, you know, I never say anything to people, but oftentimes, and it, none of you here tonight, but oftentimes people have said to me, you know what, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give this much money. I don't know why they, they, they choose to tell me that, but I'm going to give this much money. And then they never do it, you know, or, uh, you know, I just, I just got this bonus and I'm going to give it to the, I'm going to give it to the poor. I'm going to give it to, you know, the operation Christmas child, or I'm going to go buy, you know, a hundred boxes for that. And I think, oh, that's cool. And then the day of Operation Christmas Child, and it's like, that didn't happen, you know? And it kind of bums me out for them because I think of stories like this. And I think of, man, when you say you're going to do something for the Lord, you better do it. It's kind of a big deal. But thankfully, God doesn't deal with us as we're going to see him dealing with Achan here. But this was a big deal. This was such a big deal that it single-handedly kept them from defeating Ai, and it cost them the lives of many of their men because Achan was being disobedient to the Lord. And covetousness is a, is a, big, is a big deal. It's the sin that Paul kind of spoke of when he said that I didn't know I was a sinner until the Lord showed me that, that I was covetous. That I was greedy. Paul had it all together except for that thing, right? He, that was the thing that God showed him, that he was greedy, that he wanted other people's stuff. How about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and, and he said that he had kept all of those things from his youth, all the things Jesus listed off. Oh, I've done all that. Okay, well, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Oh, I can't do that. Because I love my money too much. And money is a big reason why people don't serve God. And why people aren't where they should be with the Lord. Because maybe they're either pursuing money. Or they have it and they're trying to keep it. That's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's not only covetousness, but it's disobedience. Because clearly God said, don't do this. This is mine. Set it aside for me. And he was being disobedient. And again, I think if we look at our own life, we say, man, there's a lot of things God says for me to do that I don't do. Or there's a lot of things God says that I shouldn't do that I do. And so we're disobedient. 
And again, thankfully, the Lord doesn't deal with us the way he deals with Achan in this story. It says, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. So you see the, the severity of this. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And so they're just going to whittle it down. Can you imagine if you're Achan? You know it's you. There's no question. And so, you know, they're going to take the tribe that he's from. And Achan's like, well, maybe they'll get the tribe wrong, right? No, it's Judah. Okay. So, well, maybe they'll, they'll get my, my clan wrong. Or maybe they'll get my dad wrong. And we're going to see that it just gets whittled down right to him. And you can imagine the fear that that would have been creeping up into his heart as he realizes he's going to be judged for his sin. But the thing is, is that he should have been fearful beforehand. He, he should have had these emotions. He, he should have had this kind of reaction before, but he didn't because of his covetousness, because of his wicked heart, because he wanted what he wanted more than he wanted to obey God. And again, when I look at my own life, I see that in my own life. That I can say that I want Jesus, as we sang tonight, to be the center of my life. I can say that, you know, he, he's my all in all. He's my everything. Everything is dedicated to him. But when the rubber meets the road, is that reality? Is that truth? And he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. So now it's... They've got the family right. Then he brought his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And so just pointed him right out. It's you. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. I think the most important thing we can do with sin in our life is to confess it. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where it has to start. God points it out, and He's not going to do, do it the way He did with Achan, more than likely. You're not going to show up at church and see your name up on the screen or, you know... Have God uh, call out your name out of the blue. You're, it's going to be personal. It's going to be God putting his finger on your own heart saying, Look, you need to get this right. You need to deal with this. And sometimes it, it takes confessing it to somebody else, as James talks about. Confess your sins one to another. 
And there's power in that. It's difficult to do, but there's power in that. There's power in confession. And, and Joshua begs Achan, give glory to God. There's glory that goes to the Lord when we deal with our sin appropriately. We, we've, we've robbed God of his glory, as Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we rob God of his glory when we sin. But we can give God glory by confessing that, by agreeing with him. That's what confession means. It means to agree with God. And so we agree with God and we say, you know what, Lord, I blew it. I was wrong. I was sinful. Forgive me. And he'll do that. And I love how that we see confession here and forgiveness here because with confession comes forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 promises us that. We see that in the Old Testament, which kind of throws out this whole idea that the Old Testament was God's wrath and judgment and he was ticked off, you know, and somewhere along the line he got like anger management counseling and, and now he's nice. You know, that isn't true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hates sin as much today as he did then. Look at the book of Revelation. He's going to judge sin big time. He's going to judge a Christ-rejecting world. Look at the great white throne of judgment where people will stand and be judged for their sin. He hates sin. And the same God who hates sin and is filled with wrath in the Old Testament that we see in the New Testament, well, the same God who is filled with love and grace in the New Testament, we also see Him in the Old Testament. And we see that here. We see that through Joshua, God extends the opportunity for Achan to confess and to get his heart right. Do not hide it from me. This was a one last opportunity, which is really cool because God didn't have to do that. He was already busted. But he gave him an opportunity to confess it before they went and found it. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. So he, he redeems himself. One last opportunity to honor himself, to honor his family, to do what's right, and he does it. He finishes well in a sense. And you know what? You may have blown it. You, you may have just absolutely ruined your life, but God is giving you an opportunity to make it right. God has given us an opportunity to redeem maybe the years that we have left. God is giving us an opportunity to confess and to deal with it. And to finish well. Now Achan's not going to have a lot of time. But I think there is something honorable about the way this is handled. And about the way that Achan does it. He doesn't try to hide it anymore. He says, you know what? I was wrong. Now it took God to bust him to get him to that point, which wasn't cool. But at least at this point, he says, I was wrong. They didn't have to go to his tent without him confessing it first. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, 
and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. I think we can relate to that. He saw the stuff and he wanted it. And I see all kinds of stuff that I want every day. There's just a myriad of things. And for all of us, it's different. But Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12 to beware of covetousness because life does not consist in the abundance of the things we possess. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives the, the parable, excuse me, of the sower. And he talks about how that some ground, some seed fell among ground where, where thorns grew up and weeds grew up. And it choked the life out of that seed. And those weeds were the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. The cares of this world. There's lots of those things out there, right? Things that we care about. Things that push Jesus out of the center of our lives. The deceitfulness of riches, just like we see here with Achan. We want stuff, we want money, we want more. And that's the passionate pursuit of our life. The desire for other things. The desire for things other than Jesus. Other than just living a life that's fully devoted to Him. We desire maybe fame, we desire fortune, we desire maybe it's to have a buff body or we desire any number of things. Intelligence, education. And the thing is, is that all of those things are neutral in and of themselves. But when they become the passionate pursuit of your life, they become sinful and wrong. And it becomes something that drives us away from Christ and we have to deal with those things. I coveted them and I took them and they are there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. His whole family and everything he had. And so I think at this point, Achan's starting to realize this was a big deal, number one, and also this wasn't worth it. Because for the little bit that he got, this is what he had to pay. This was the price. And sin always seems alluring. Sin always seems like it's what we want and it's going to make us feel good and it's, it's going to make us happy. And yet in the end, it robs from us. It destroys us. And that's what Achan is starting to realize, I'm sure, is that all of his life is now going to be destroyed. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there 
to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. It seems rather harsh. And, and like I said, God doesn't deal with us this way any longer. Jesus took the wrath of sin for us, and we can praise God for that. But there is judgment for sin. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now, we know that's true physically. We're all going to die, and that's because of sin. You go to hospitals, and you see sickness. You go to funeral homes, and you see death, and you think of sin. It's the result of sin. But not only is it physical death, it's also spiritual death, but Jesus took that for us, and we're believers, we're followers of Jesus, so we're not subject to that spiritual death. But the truth remains that the wages of sin is death. That sin brings death. Sin brings death in marriages. Marriages fail because of sin. Marriages fail because people are prideful, because we're selfish, because we're covetous, because we're arrogant. Because we're angry. Because we're bitter. That's why marriages fail. It's because of sin. Sin brings death in relationships. Between father and son. Between mother and daughter. Sin brings death in all areas of our life. It kills. It robs. It destroys. That's why the Bible says that the devil has come to steal and to kill and to destroy us. And how does he do that? By getting us to disobey God. By getting us to sin. To rob God of his glory. And it kills us. It destroys us. Even as believers. The New Testament's clear on that. That even as a believer, you can give your life over to the flesh. And it will destroy you. And that's what we see here with Achan. Achan confessed his sin. He dealt with God. He did the right thing. I believe he finished strong. But there was a price that had to be paid for it. There was still the consequences, the wages of his sin. And you guys, when we do stupid stuff, when we make stupid decisions, when we allow sin in our life, it will bring death. It will bring destruction. And that's the lesson that we see with Achan. It will destroy our families. It will destroy our careers. It will destroy relationships. It will destroy our testimony, our witness, our influence on our community. Well, we also see the sin of Joshua and the leaders, verses 2 through 9. If you back up. It's kind of parenthetical. Verse 2, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. So they're, they're moving forward. They, they, they took out Jericho. Now it's time for Ai. They're, they've probably got some confidence now. They're trusting the Lord. Which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel. And spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. 
So the men went up and spied out Ai. Now, I don't know why Joshua feels the need to be sending out these spies all of the time. God has said, just go and take the land. Why do you send a spy? You send a spy out because you're not quite sure if you can take them or not. You're not quite sure what to expect, so you need to, to kind of figure it out, right? You need to scope it out and, and do, it, do it in your own strength. God didn't say keep sending spies out. I think they should have learned their lesson a long time ago about the spies. And this, I believe, is Joshua sort of going down the road of depending on his own flesh. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. In other words, hey, Ai is a little hick town. It, it, it's going to be no problem. We don't need to send the whole army. Let them rest. I don't know what they're tired from, marching around the city a few times, I guess. Let, they didn't even have to do anything to Jericho, but apparently they're tired. Let all the people rest. God didn't say for them to rest. God didn't say for them to sit back. God said to go. Sometimes I think because of our selfishness, because of our self-reliance, we just sit back. We let other people work for us. We let other people serve God. For some reason we think we're tired and God says, man, there's going to be plenty of rest in, in heaven. I, I'm telling you to go, attack, take the land, enter into all that I have for you. This isn't a time to rest. This isn't a time to sit back and enjoy the show. And, and here again, it's the next step. Just send a few thousand. We don't need to send everybody. First it was send out the spies. Now it's just send a few. And why would you just send a few? Because you think you can do it in your own strength. They sent the spies because they weren't sure if they could do it. Now they're sure they can do it and they prove it by only sending a few. Now there are times where God said to the children of Israel, I only want to use a few. Like with the story of Gideon. But that's so that he could get the glory. This time they're going to send a few so that they can get the glory. So that they can say, yeah, we whipped those guys with half our army. One arm tied behind our back. These guys were nothing. And that way they could get the glory. And God is super concerned with who's getting the glory in our lives. And maybe there's going to be times where God says to you, I want to use you in a foolish way as we looked at like with Jericho, marching around like fools. And God said, that's how I want to use you in that context. But here he said, go attack. And yet... Now they are going to do it in their own way and in their own ingenuity so that they can get the glory. And God didn't want them to do it that way. We need to be sensitive to the Lord and, and obey Him and do what He's asking us to do. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Sherebim. And struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And so what do we find here with Joshua's sin? 
We find again that it brought destruction to the lives of 36 men. And sure, Achan's sin had a lot to do with that as well. But Joshua was culpable in this also. And Joshua's self-reliance, Joshua's dependence upon his own army and their ingenuity cost them the lives of 36 men. Again, it brought destruction. It brought death. And that's what disobedience does. That's what pride does. That's what self-reliance does. Not only did it bring destruction, but it brought fear. The hearts of the people melted. It's a Hebrew idiom to, to represent fear. That they were just like, in an instant, afraid. They were riding high after Jericho. And now, they're afraid, and they want to go home, and they want to quit, and why do we even come? As you see in verse 6, Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. He's got it all wrong. This is what God had called them to do. It's not God's fault. They were the ones that messed this up. So often, though, we get into situations in our life where things are falling apart and, and we see the destruction. We see the wages of our sin. We see the consequences and the repercussions. And we start to blame God. God, why this? And, and God, why that? And why did you even bring me on to this earth, Lord? Just to torture me? And God says, no, these are repercussions of your own choices and your own actions. And you're going to have to deal with those. And you need to get this right so that you don't have to have this in your life. Verse 8, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? And all of a sudden, Joshua is super concerned about God's glory and God's name. And, and it's like, look, you let me take care of that. The problem is with you. This isn't my fault. Joshua's got it all wrong here. He thinks that somehow or another God forgot to take care of them. And that isn't the case. It was because of their own sin and in this case, with Joshua, it was his pride, his desire to, to look powerful in the eyes of the other nations, his self-dependence. And pride is really the root of all sin. Self-dependence in, in a lack of faith and a lack of trust in God and doing it in our own power will get us into so much difficulty 
when we launch out in our flesh, when we make decisions in our flesh, when we do things because it makes sense to us, when God clearly said, that's not what I want you to do. When we do things that push God aside and and put Him in the background of our life. There will be consequences for that. But often, we don't recognize it, do we? we? We think that God just wants to punish us. We think that God is out to get us. And God's like, no. Don't you see that you set me aside a long time ago to pursue that other thing? Don't you see that that sin is what is creating this issue in your life? Don't you see that that it's your own pride and your own selfishness and your own self-dependence that is causing these things? I'm not out to get you. You guys, we are our own worst enemy. God's our advocate. If we want to look for an enemy, yeah, we have the devil, and he's out to get us and he wants to destroy us, but we do a really good job of it on our own. As I like to say, we have an enemy that's that's not only foreign but domestic. And and sometimes we we just put all of the focus on our foreign policy, right? We gotta we gotta deal with Satan and his minions and make sure that we've got good foreign policy in our spiritual battle plan. And God says, you know, that's good, but there's some domestic issues I want to deal with too. There's some stuff that's going on in your own heart. There's some areas of your own life that I want to deal with right here at home, right in your own heart. And Joshua was there feeling sorry for himself. Joshua was there trying to figure out what's going on. And that's when he says in verse 10, Get up, why do you lie thus on your face? There is a time to seek God, to pray, to fast. Then there's also a time where God says, Okay, I want to reveal what the problem is to you, and then I want you to deal with it. And that's what Joshua does here. He does deal with it. Which again is honorable. It's redeem. He redeems the situation. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't try to pretend like it didn't exist. He deals with it. And man, when God puts his finger on something in our lives, you guys, we've got to deal with it. We've got to, we've got to make it right. And maybe it's a very difficult thing to do, but we've got to do that. Otherwise, these things that we see in our text tonight will be in our life. And we'll be wondering, Lord, why are things falling apart? And God says, because I want to deal with stuff in your life. And you're not dealing with it. The sin of Achan, the sin of Joshua. And again, I just encourage us. Don't walk away focused on the sin of Achan and the sin of Joshua. Focus on the sin of Ryan. Focus on the sin of of your own heart, your own life, and what God wants to deal with. The Bible gives us these stories. The Bible tells us this stuff, not so that we can feel good about ourselves. Not so that we can go, oh man, idiot Achan. Oh man, Joshua, what a terrible decision he made. 
No, so that we can see similarities, so that we can see connection to our own life and say, Lord, how do you want to deal with me? What is it that, that applies to me and in my own life tonight? So why don't we close with a, a song and, and maybe, maybe God wants to deal with some, some stuff and maybe you just want to take this time to deal with that. I, I don't know what God wants to do in you, but, but certainly there's, there's things that we can apply from this text. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.